My name is John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And I think you've chosen a good day to listen today because we're going to be thinking about God's will for our lives. And wherever you are in life and whatever you might be facing, you know, you might be in the middle of making a decision about a relationship or a job or an investment or buying a car or buying a house or moving from one city to another city. And in your heart, you just want to do God's will. And I just hope today that as you listen to this message and as you think about some of the things we're going to be talking about today on the program, that God will speak to you and God will make it clear whether you should make that purchase, whether you should make that move, or whether you should stay right where you are. So may God speak to you today as we study His Word together. I want to talk to you today about the safest place in all the world to be. Now you think about where the safest place in all the world might be. I'll tell you this, it's not in a cabin in the mountains, and it's not under an umbrella on the beach. The safest place in all the world is in the center of God's will. You believe that? Say amen. That's the safest place. And I want to tell you how I learned that, at least one of the ways I learned that. When I was a student at Southwestern Seminary from 1992 to 1995, I used to have the opportunity with a lot of young preacher boys of traveling all over the state of Texas, preaching at different churches on the weekends and in the summer times, going to different places and preach revivals out in different uh, places all across the state. And in August of 1993, I was invited to go to a community that some of you would be familiar with, but I never had heard of it. It's the town called Robert Lee, Texas. Have any of you ever heard of Robert Lee? Just a few, well, not many. It's, no, it's, it's a real place, and it's right outside of San Angelo. And so they had invited me to go there, and there was a guy named Steve Poe, who he and I were going through seminary together, and he was a worship leader. And so we kind of had become a team, and we would travel together. And so we rode out to San Angelo and turned left and went to Robert Lee, and we got to our... Now, I'm telling you, when I say Robert Lee, we are out in the sticks. This is a place where people like to go hunting and fishing. It's just out in the... In the, uh, in the and I'm more of a city boy, really. I mean, hey, live in Pasadena, urban cowboy, right? So that's kind of... Well, anyway... I got, we got up to our, not a hotel that night, but to a motel, which was really more like a lodge. And in that lodge, they gave me my key and they gave Steve Poe his key for his room. And so he went to his room and I went to mine and he had been in his room, not very many minutes at all. And I just heard a loud scream. Just screaming loud. And I thought, what in the world has happened to Steve? And so I, but I walked down there and he was up on the bed in his room. I said, man, what are you doing? He said, John, there's a scorpion in this room. And I said, God bless you. And I went back to my room. Well, when I got back to my room and I'm putting all my stuff up, I'll, I'll tell you how I knew that I was out in the country. When I, on the TV, there was a little sign. And here's what, this is a true story. It said, no cooking or cleaning fish in the room. I thought, <laughs> where am I? I mean, cooking, I, I thought, there's no danger. Is there not even a Long John Silver around here that I can go to? I thought, I'm in the sticks. Well, as it turned out, that was on a Saturday. The services started on Sunday through Wednesday. And we had Sunday morning, Sunday night. And then once we got to Monday, 
we had a noonday service, like, kind of like this, and then we had a night revival service. So I was speaking twice a day. Well, I didn't have hardly enough sermons. I mean, after a while, I was repeating myself. You know, I said all I knew to say. But as the week went on, I got to know the pastor of that church very well, a man named Roy Epperson. You probably never heard of him. I never had heard of him. But as the week went on, I noticed several things about Pastor Epperson. I noticed that he was a very peaceful man. He was just very calm and relaxed. I noticed that he was very respected in the community, that everybody kind of looked to him as one of the spiritual leaders in that community. And I, I, look, I also noticed that, that as he led the church, he was a spirit-filled man. He was a man of prayer. And that man made a deep influence on my life. Now, up until that point in my young ministry, I'd only been in the ministry five years at that time, I had always, and still do, look up to men who were a little more well-known. Back at that time, a guy named W.A. Criswell, pastored First Baptist in Dallas, always been one of my heroes. Charles Stanley in Atlanta, Adrian Rogers in Memphis, and these guys that had a little more, had a name and had some renown and, and were on television and radio, and it was easy to listen to them. And so those had always kind of been the guys I had looked up to. They pastored large churches in big cities. They were well-known. But after a few days with Roy Epperson out there and Robert Lee, God taught me a lesson. And here was one of the greatest lessons God ever taught me in my life. It is better to be in God's will, even if you're out in the middle of nowhere, than it would to be out of God's will if you're in a big church, in a big city, everybody knows you, live in a nice house, and you have a reputation. And, and I guess I came away from that revival meeting saying, it doesn't really matter if you're known or unknown. You know, I guess in church life, I always look at it like this. Sometimes you'll hear a person say, well, that's a big church, or that's a small church, or that's a mega church. You know, if you think about that from God's perspective, there's no such thing as a big church. I mean, to God, what would cause God to look down from heaven and say, wow, look how big that is. I mean, from God's perspective, all of our churches are really small. It's just a matter, as we're humans, and we all, you know, it's flat. there's a lot of flesh even in churches that goes on. We want to be bigger and better than everybody else. A lot of that's just, I think, very displeasing to God. But anyway, at the end of that week, I said, this was the Bible I used back at that season of my life. And I said to him, I said, Pastor Epperson, this week has really been good for me, and you've been a blessing to my life. And I, would you mind just autographing my Bible, writing me a little note. And in a very humble fashion, he took my Bible, and here's what he wrote. Have enjoyed the week. Continue to allow God to use you. Roy Epperson, August the 4th, 1993, Robert Lee, Texas. And I can tell you, I have other Bibles signed by more well-known people, but that means as much to me, maybe more than even some of those other Bibles. And so my point that I'm trying to make today, and we're going to look at some scripture in a moment, is that as long as you're in God's will... It doesn't matter if you're known or unknown, rich or poor, if you're successful or from a human perspective, not all that successful. It's better to be in God's will, even if you're out in the middle of nowhere, than it would to be out of God's will in the big city and trying to make a name for yourself. The important thing is that we be in the will of God. You believe that? Say amen. Now, I want to make three statements today about God's will. Now, while, before I get into this, will you open your Bibles, if you haven't, to 1 Kings chapter 17. In just a moment, I want to show you a story about a man named Elijah a prophet of God who was in the will of God for his life. Now, first thing I want to say about God's will, God's will 
But you, you may say, well, what is, what is, describe what it means to be in God's will. First of all, God's will, uh, it, let me, before I even get into the three things, let me say this. It is, it is that place where God wants you to be. It is when you are doing what God wants you to do. I know when my dad had been pastoring in Sulphur Springs, Texas for about eight or nine years, and then this church contacted him and said, Dr. Eben, we want to talk to you about coming to Pasadena. Well, he was happy pastoring in East Texas and, and, thought, and he was in God's will. But as he began to pray, as he began to think about it, he and my mom, and they began to talk to the uh, church about it. And it took time, but in a matter of time, he knew that God's will was for him to leave there and to come here. So when I'm talking about God's will, it's that place. It, it, it may be the house you live in. I mean, I even look at it this way. I don't want to live in a house that wouldn't be God's will for me to live in. I really don't. I want to live right where God wants me to live. I can remember years ago, uh, I was looking for houses and I was out and about and just kind of driving all over town and trying to find, now where does God, where would he want me to live? And I looked at this house, I didn't have peace. I looked at that house and you know the house I live in today. I'll tell you how I knew that this is where I wanted to live. First of all, when I drove up in the driveway, I noticed that the house to the left of mine was a lot bigger than the house I was looking at. And it's from a real estate perspective, it's smart to buy not the biggest house in the neighborhood. So that was the biggest house, but I was next to the biggest house. And then I also, I asked the real estate agent, Gail McFarlane at that time was showing me houses. And I said, who lives in that house? And she said, John, there's an attorney in town. And I had heard of him, but I had never met him, named Roy Meese. And he said, he and, she, he and his wife, Sue, live in that house. And even though I didn't know the Meeses back then, I'd heard of them, I felt... They were respected and loved in the community, and I loved their house. And so that was really a big part of the reason I bought my house. So like when I go home at night, I know I'm, right, I'm in God's will. It's where God wants me to be. I will tell you, after I bought that house, I would take my friends around. I live in a cul-de-sac, and I would say, now that's the house. Nobody ever commented on my house. They just bragged on his house. I said, no, I'm that house. Say something nice about my house. They said, oh, it's pretty. But look at that house right next to you there. So God's will, it, may, it has to do with our vocation has to do with where we live, has to do with relationships. We just want to make sure that we're in the will of God. And when we are, three things about God's will. First, it is a place of peace. It's a place of peace. Have you noticed that when you are where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, that you have peace in your heart. Several years ago, some friends gave me a little thing. I have it in my kitchen, like, kind of like a little uh, memento type thing. It's a C.S. Lewis quote, and it says, in your will is my peace. See, that's what I'm saying. Roy Epperson, the reason he was so peaceful was because he was at peace. And the reason he was at peace is because he was in God's will. He wasn't trying to get a bigger church or to be known or any of that. He just said, this is God's assignment, and I'm going to do what God was wanting me to do, and I am at peace. Number two thing about God's will, not only is it a place of peace, it is a place of provision. It's a place of provision. You see, if you're in the right place, whether you're a minister a, a a teacher, a politician, a housewife, a police officer, a construction worker, uh, a secretary, a dentist, a dental assistant. What, as long as you are in that place that God wants you to be. You remember when the children of Israel were in Egypt and God led them out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. 
And so they would know how God was leading them. The Bible says there was a pillar of cloud by day, like a big cloud up there. And at night, it turned into a pillar of fire so they could see it. And God said to his people, here's how you will know where I want you to be. There's going to be a cloud in the day and there's going to be fire at night. You just follow that cloud and you just follow that fire. As long as you are under that cloud and as long as you are under that fire, you will be in God's will. Now, sometimes the cloud moves. And when the cloud moves, we have to move with it. Sometimes the cloud stays. And when the cloud stays, we just want to stay under that cloud. That's a good visual. You should be asking yourself right now, am I under the cloud? Am I in the center of God's will for my life? Well, in 1 Kings 17, I want you to notice about Elijah. 1 Kings 17, beginning in verse 2. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan, that is the Jordan River. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And so God said to Elijah, Elijah, I see where you are. You're right here. Now, what I want you to do is to go over there. And if you'll go there, you'll be in my will. And when you leave here and go there, you're going to find supernatural provision. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to send the ravens. And the ravens are going to bring you bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat at night. You're going to be fed and you're going to be taken care of. And so that's what happened. He left here and he went there. John Osteen used to have a sermon he preached out at Lakewood called A Place Called There. And in that sermon, that he used this and he said, there is that place where God wants you to be. Now, Elijah left here and he went there and God sent him food and God provided. One of the things I've learned, when we're in God's will, all of our needs are met. Now, doesn't mean we don't have problems, challenges, or difficulties, but it means when we are in the will of God, He meets our needs, and he, he provides for us, and He takes care of us. He sends the ravens, as it were, to give us bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat at night. I'll tell you how I learned that, or at least how I learned it more clearly. When I was at Baylor, it was, I think, my senior year at Baylor, I did an internship program at Calvary Baptist Church there in Waco. I was a ministerial student, and so I took a lot of classes on the Bible and preaching and what you would expect for a religion major to do. And in one of my classes, we had to get connected with a, past, a local pastor, and we had to go meet with that pastor once a week and uh, have a, you know, ask him questions, and then we did an internship. We studied his church, and we did all kind of things like that. And I got assigned to Calvary Baptist Church, and there was a pastor there named Jim Johnson, a good man and a godly man. And he and I hit it off real well, and I had a good semester learning, you know, under his leadership. After I had, was coming to the end of that uh, semester with him, and a little bit more time went by, a church in Atlanta, Georgia contacted him. And I've, I've told this story somewhere. I don't know if I've told it at the Tuesday Bible Lunch or in, out there, but I, I've told it. But if you've heard it, it won't hurt you. If you haven't heard it, I hope it'll bless you. But anyway, he got contacted by a church in Atlanta, Georgia called Dunwoody Baptist Church, which was, is a really, really good church in North Atlanta. And they said to him, they said, uh, Jim, we would like for you and your wife, Robin, to pray about leaving Waco and coming to Atlanta 
and being the pastor of Dunwoody Baptist Church. Well, in many ways, that would have been a really good move for Jim because he was, he was at a good church, but just from a purely human and fleshly perspective, that was a bigger church, and so I guess he could think, well, that would be a promotion. The only problem with that was his wife, Robin, was the anchor woman for a local news channel in Waco, Channel 10. And so every night at 6 o'clock and at 10 o'clock, you turn your TV on Channel 10, and there she is, beautiful lady, smooth talker, great mind, Robin Johnson, and she had a dream job. Now, if you know anything about television and me, those jobs are not easy to come by. I mean, there are not many Dave Wards out there or those guys that have, that have those type jobs. Well, anyway, she had one of those jobs, and so one night she comes home from work, and Jim says to her, Robin, he tells her the story. Dunwoody Baptist Church, North Atlanta, has contacted us. They want us to meet with them and pray about becoming pastor and wife of, that ch- of their church. And so she said to Jim, you know, just her immediate response, she said, oh, Jim, I want to do what God wants us to do, but the thought of leaving Waco, we have such deep roots here, and not only that, I'm, you know the job I've worked so hard to get, and I finally got it, and I've, I've had it just for a few years, and I'm just so happy. And I, I think she just felt like I'm willing to do it. Kind of like Jesus in the garden. of The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If, if I have to do it, I'll do it, but I really don't want to do it. And so they struggled, and they agonized, and they prayed, and they talked to that church, and, and the church was patient. And anyway, time went by, and one day Robin said to Jim, she said, Jim, you know that I mean, I never thought I would have a job like I've got now, being the anchor woman on Channel 10 News here in Waco. And she said, I would, I would be so happy if I could finish out my career doing this job. She said, but I know there's something more important than me being happy, and that's us being in God's will. She said, you've prayed about it, I've prayed about it. You feel like it's God's will for us to go, but you're not going uh, unless I feel the same way. And she said, I want to tell you, I feel it's God's will for us to go too. And so they made a decision. They resigned their church. They moved to Atlanta, and they began their ministry there. And in my mind, they were blocked out of my mind. I thought, well, I'll probably never see or hear from them again. A, few years, a couple of years went by, and, and one night I was in Fort Worth at seminary at that time, and I came in from classes that day, and I turned the television on, and and remote control landed on CNN. And I thought, well, I'll see what the news of the day is. And there's this lady on there talking. And I, I was listening to her, but I thought, she sure does look familiar. Who is that? And I just kept watching. And then they popped her name up on the screen. And it said, Robin Johnson. And I'm sitting there watching that. And I said, you got to be, to myself, you got to be kidding me. Robin Johnson is on CNN? And I thought, Isn't that just like God? Only God could move a lady from Waco Channel 10 to CNN. I mean, isn't that good? But that's God. That is God's provision. And so what I'm saying to you today, if if you're here and God tells you to go there and you go there, even if it's hard, now you're under the cloud, you're in the center of God's will. Or if you're here and God, and you want to go there, but God says, no, I want you to stay here because here's where the cloud is. I'm telling you, if you'll be under that cloud, it'll be a place of peace. It'll be a place of provision. And it'll also be a place of empowerment. Now look down in, you're in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Look in verse 17. We're not going to read these verses, but if we were, we would find about this widow, God had, in fact, if you look back up in verse 9 of this chapter, God said to Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. 
I have commanded a widow there to provide you. And so first God said, Elijah, go from here to there to the brook Kareth. So he went to the brook Kareth. Ravens, bring him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat at night. He said, this is a good life. Then God came and said, I want you to leave here because now there has become here. I want you to leave here and go there. Go to Zarephath, and when you get there, there'll be a lady, and she's going to provide for you and take care of you. And so he went there, and that happened. But after he had been there a while, this lady, she was a widow, her son died. And when she died, she was, of course, or when he died, rather, she was devastated, and she said to Elijah, Elijah, I can't believe I've already lost my husband, and now I've lost my son. And Elijah went into the room where that boy was, and Elijah, and we read about it in this chapter, he prayed over that boy, and the boy's life came back. Now, what I'm saying is Elijah had supernatural power in his life, but the reason he had supernatural power is because he was in the middle of God's will. You see, when we're in God's will, I'm not saying that it's easy, I'm not saying there are no challenges, but I'm saying when we're doing the thing, some people say God's will is that sweet spot It's finding that place in your life and in your career and in your work and in your daily life and schedule that you can go through the day with ease. And there's, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying you have an inner ease and there's not a struggle and there's not all that going on. You're just peaceful and you have, it's like you have the anointing and it's an anointing of ease and you're not struggling or strive or just, it's not stressful for you. That's, that's where we want to be. It is a place of divine empowerment. And so what I'm encouraging you and me to do today is to take an inventory of our lives and to ask God, Lord, Am I under the cloud? Am I in the place called there? Am I where you want me to be? There was a pastor years ago, Stephen F. Alford, godly, godly pastor, and he's in heaven now. But he used to say this, and I thought it was so good when he was talking about God's will. He said, it is our duty and privilege to find, to follow, and to finish the will of God for our lives. That's so, so good. It is our duty. We ought to do it. It is our privilege. We get to do it. To find, what is God, what do you want me to do? To follow, God, with your help, I'll do it. And to finish it, God, I'll do it till you tell me to stop doing it. It is my duty and privilege. It is your duty and privilege to find, to follow, and to finish the will of God for your life. And I would say this today in closing. If you've never been saved, if you've never received Jesus, that's the first step to being in God's will. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen? So with our heads bowed and eyes closed today, Father, I pray that all of us, each of us, would find, follow, and finish your will for our lives. And Lord, I pray if there would be one here today who's never been saved or who's not sure where they stand in their relationship with you, that even now they would just open their hearts and invite you to come in. And friend, if you don't know for sure that you've been saved, if you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is living in your heart, would you just pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Father, thank you today that some may have prayed that. And for the rest of us who've already prayed that, God, help us to live our lives under the cloud and in the center of your will is our prayer in Jesus' name and all the people said, Amen. Amen.
Well, as we think about God's will, clearly the most important part of God's will is knowing for sure that we're saved. And so today, I hope that you prayed that prayer. And if you had any questions about whether or not you're truly saved, that you today got it settled and you know for sure that Jesus Christ is living in your heart. That's the beginning, though, of God's will. That's not the end. That's just step one in God's will, getting saved. And then for the rest of our lives, what we're trying to do as Christians is to determine where does God want me to be? What does God want me to be doing? I would encourage you this week, if you get a chance, to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. And if you'll scroll down toward the bottom, you'll find a, a link called Spiritual Growth. And if you'll click on that tab, it takes you to a lot of booklets that we have prepared through the years. And one of those booklets is called How to Know God's Will. And I would encourage you to read that little booklet. It won't take you long to read it. You can read it less than a half an hour easily on your phone or on your computer. And I pray it'll be a blessing to you. And then let us know where you're listening from. Let us know how we can pray for you. And I hope you'll have a great week.